patient is a 19-year-old woman who presents to the emergency department with acute total body pain. It's most severe in her legs and back and radiates to her abdomen. This is DDX, a podcast from Figure One about how doctors think. I'm Dr. Raj Bardwaj. Today's case comes from Dr. Gita Pensa. I'm an emergency physician working in Rhode Island. I'm a clinical assistant professor of emergency medicine with the Brown University Emergency Medicine Residency. As emergency physicians, most of the patients we see are complete strangers to us. They walk in the door, we meet them for the first time, we treat them, and then we may never see them again. But there's another group of patients in the ER, the frequent flyers. Patients with chronic conditions who we get to know after repeated visits. This case involves a patient like that, a 19-year-old woman who Dr. Pensa and her colleagues had seen every few months over the course of a few years. A quick note, the patient in this episode is represented by the voice of a professional standardized patient, like the ones used during clinical training and exams. So this was a young woman who I actually knew. She suffered from sickle cell disease and patients often present with these painful vaso-occlusive crises. So she came in complaining of um, what she referred to as her usual acute pain episode. It hurts all over like it always does. But like, I'm feeling it mostly in my legs and back and it's kind of radiating around from my back to the front of my stomach. Look, I just need my pain meds. She had had episodes like this before. She was quite emphatic that this was similar to her other pain crises. And when she came in, like until you got her pain under control, she didn't want to talk a lot. And so I started down the path of treating her pain and sending some blood work because often, you know, they can present with severe anemia. I wanted to make sure that there wasn't any other acute complication of sickle cell going on. But, you know, I started managing her pain and hydrating her and because the usual course of events was that after a few rounds of pain medications, some fluids, she'd feel better and then she would be able to go home. When I see sickle cell on a patient's chart, I know that in addition to anemia, I'm looking for any signs and symptoms of infection, pulmonary embolism, or avascular necrosis of their bones. I also have to be on the lookout for hypoxia, respiratory complaints, and chest pain. Dr. Pence's patient didn't present with any of these signs or symptoms, and her labs didn't indicate anything abnormal. There wasn't anything about it on the surface that was ringing any bells for me, and um, then I wrote some orders and promptly went off to see my next patient. She expected that after a few rounds of pain medication and fluids, they'd likely be able to send the young woman home without admitting her. But then a nurse came to find Dr. Pence. The nurse came to me and said, she's complaining of worsening pain, mostly in that pelvis and the low back. I really think you need to come back and see her because her blood pressure is much lower and she really seems like she's really feeling poorly. So whenever the nurse says to you, you better come back and see this patient, you better go back and see that patient. So I went back to re-examine her and she really did not look well. She was clammy. Her blood pressure was very low. She had a thready pulse, and she was now complaining much more of abdominal pain. And when I went to re-examine her belly, her belly was now much firmer, much more tender. And I thought, well, I've missed something. What's going on? In 
In emergency medicine, we're trained to think ahead, to anticipate the next potential complication, the next drug we might need to give, or the next treatment option if the first one doesn't work. But we're also trained to think back, to reassess our patient, re-examine them for new clues. Sometimes that means starting over, with an open mind and a broader DDX. When I went back from the beginning, and I'm very glad I did, I kind of went through the labs. There wasn't anything there that was abnormal. And then I realized that in thinking solely about this patient as having sickle cell disease, I had ignored one of the cardinal rules of emergency medicine, which is to obtain a pregnancy test on every female patient between the ages of basically 10 and 60. We're always at risk of being burned by the unperformed test. Blood glucose that changes the diagnosis from stroke to hypoglycemia, or from a child with gastroenteritis to a new diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, or a pregnancy test in any woman of childbearing age. Her pregnancy test, which we added on very quickly, came back positive. She was very convinced that this was her sickle cell disease and did not really want to hear a thing about going to the operating room or that she was pregnant because she hadn't known that she was. And so she and I both needed like a sort of paradigm shift in terms of thinking about what was going on that day. In the end, she wound up having a very quick gynecologic consultation going to the OR and having surgery for a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. The patient ended up having a ruptured fallopian tube, which was removed. But she did well postoperatively, and a couple of months later, Dr. Pensa saw her in the ER again. The next time I saw her, we actually kind of had a laugh about it because she remembered that she was so convinced that it was her sickle cell disease too. Interestingly, she wasn't upset with me, which was good. She definitely saw more of a like, gosh, despite everything that I was telling you, you managed to figure it out anyway. And on my end, I was thinking like, oh my God, I took so long to figure that out. Like she could have died. You know, after that, I saw her multiple times over the years thereafter, and it always was her pain. Every other time it was, but just this one time it it wasn't. Dr. Pensa often tells this story to her residents at Brown University as a cautionary tale about anchoring bias. That's what happens when a physician gets stuck or anchors on an initial diagnosis, which can make it hard to notice what else might be going on. This case is also a good example of confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is essentially selecting the data points that support the diagnosis you already believe to be true. This is Dr. Marjorie Stiegler. She's an adjunct associate professor of anesthesiology at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, who has published extensively on cognitive biases in medicine. This patient came in all the time with the same constellation of symptoms, and both the patient and the physician thought they knew the diagnosis really before any evaluation or management had happened. So the patient believed she had a sickle crisis, and she described the symptoms that are consistent with that. The physician thought she had a sickle crisis, and so she looked for the data that supported that. Her near-miss experience with this case changed the way Dr. Pensa approaches cases where the patient is someone she's seen before, or where the diagnosis seems obvious from the outset. 
now in these scenarios, I may, you know, work a little harder just trying to prove to myself that it is indeed what it seems to be, you know, that it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck. So it, you know, it it is, it really is the duck instead of a platypus. Do they quack? I don't know. But, you know, you, you, you want to just convince yourself that, like, I'm right here. It can be tough to draw that line between what's the logical or even obvious diagnosis and what might be too much of a snap judgment. Dr. Stiegler says it makes sense for physicians, especially those of us in the ER, to jump to the most obvious diagnosis first. When a medical student comes in and begins to learn medicine, they don't recognize patterns and constellations of symptoms for the individual diseases. And experts can do that in a matter of minutes. So... The development of these biases is not bad. It's in fact linked directly to expertise and almost always gives us the right answer. I'm glad that this happened to me relatively early in my career. I think that, you know, there's that sort of <laughs> that sort of learning curve where, you know, you're never quite as cocky as when you're a senior resident. And then when you come out as an attending, you start to realize like, oh, my gosh, there's a lot that I didn't know. And then your confidence plummets and then it sort of kind of comes back up. And then, you know, you get pulled down a couple of notches by a case like this. Thanks to Dr. Gita Pensa and Dr. Marjorie Stiegler. This is DDX, a podcast by Figure One, the knowledge sharing app for doctors. Figure One is an app that lets doctors share clinical images and knowledge about difficult to diagnose cases. DDX is produced by Earshot Podcasts. Mixing by Chandra Bulacan. Our theme music is by Nathan Burley. The executive producers of DDX are Jesse Brown and Corey Marr. You can find full show notes, photos, related medical cases, and links to Dr. Stiegler's publications on cognitive biases at figureone.com slash DDX. And you can follow Dr. Pensa and the Brown Emergency Medicine residents on the Figure One app at Brown EM. I'm Dr. Raj Bardwaj. You can follow me on Twitter at Raj Bardwaj MD. Thanks for listening.